Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Judges. Well, happy Monday, friends and faithful listeners. I hope you all had a really great weekend. It was actually very sunny and beautiful here where I'm at. I actually opened my windows for a moment. It was a little bit cold out, but I just liked the fresh air coming in so I could smell it instead of the smell of my kitchen, which (laughs) is not very pleasant right now. I'm actually um, making apple cider vinegar. And so my entire kitchen now smells very strongly of alcohol because in order to make apple cider vinegar, you have to go through like the whole process of making alcohol until you get to the vinegar stage. And so my kitchen is like permeated with alcohol. (laughs) So the outside cold, crisp air was a much better smell than what was going on in my kitchen. So tell me what you guys did over the weekend and tell me if you have any interesting projects you're working on right now, like making apple cider vinegar, for example, or I don't know, doing something else. So while you're contacting me, let's go ahead and read Judges chapter 20 verses 1 through 17. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. as I usually do, but make sure to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer to read out of, whatever that may be, and also grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea this morning, and we're going to read about what happens to the tribe of Benjamin. Now, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to the previous episodes that we did last week in Judges 19 in order to understand what is going on today, but of course, I will do a quick recap. What ended up happening was there was this Levite man who had a concubine. And so as this concubine and the Levite man were traveling along and trying to find a place to stay for the night, these insanely wicked Benjamite men start pounding on the door of the house that they were staying in and demanding that the Levite come out so that the men could uh, sodomize him, basically. So the Levite, in order to save his own skin, throws his concubine out to the mob of men And they rape her and beat her all night until she inevitably dies. So the Levite then takes the woman's body in the morning, cuts her up into 12 pieces and sends each piece of her to a different tribe of Israel. Yeah, that's the story. (laughs) That's why I highly recommend you go back and actually listen to more context of what's going on in that story in order to understand what's going on today. So let's read Judges chapter 20 because we're going to figure out how the Israelites respond to what happened with all of this. So this is Judges chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Then all the children of Israel went out, and the congregation was assembled as one man, from Dan even to Beersheba, with the land of Gilead, to Yahweh at Mizpah. The chiefs of all the people, even all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen who drew sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. The children of Israel said, Tell us, how did this wickedness happen? The Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered, I came into Gibeah that belongs to Benjamin, I and my concubine to spend the night. The men of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house by night. They intended to kill me and they raped my concubine, and she is dead. I took my concubine and cut her into pieces and sent her throughout all the country of the inheritance of Israel, for they have committed lewdness and folly in Israel. Behold, you children of Israel, all of you, give here your advice and counsel. 
All the people arose as one man, saying, None of us will go to his tent, neither will any of us turn to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot, and we will take ten men of one hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, and one hundred of one thousand, and a thousand out of ten thousand, to get food for the people, that they may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, according to all the folly that the men of Gibeah have done in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man. The tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribes of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that has happened among you? Now therefore deliver up the men, the wicked fellows who are here in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away the evil from Israel. But Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brothers, the children of Israel. The children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities to Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. The children of Benjamin were counted on that day out of the cities, 26,000 men who drew the sword, in addition to the inhabitants of Gibeah, who were counted 700 chosen men. Among all these soldiers, there were 700 chosen men who were left-handed. Every one of them could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. The men of Israel, besides Benjamin, were counted 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. So all of Judges chapter 20 is how Israel ends up responding to this great evil that ended up happening. You know, the Levite sending the concubine like pieces of her to each tribe. So it says in verse one that all the children of Israel went out and the congregation was assembled as one man. Now, that phrase one man is mentioned multiple times, actually, throughout this entire portion, meaning that all of Israel was united because of what had happened here with this concubine. They were like one man. They were united. They all had the same thought about this, that this was very evil what had happened because it was very evil what had happened. It was a terrible, horrible thing that had happened in Israel. So it says that everyone, every Israelite other than the tribe of Benjamin was united as one man from Dan even to Beersheba. So the, the top most part of Israel to the bottom most part of Israel, other than the tribe of Benjamin, everyone was united about this issue. It says, the chiefs of all the people, even all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God. So the chiefs of every tribe of Israel, the, the 11 tribes, end up coming together to talk about this issue that had happened. Now, notice that it doesn't mention any judge here. This is the book of Judges, yet for some reason there's no judge. There's just uh, chiefs. We don't see any priests mentioned either. And that was all part of what God had put in place, right? The court system to figure all of this out. But because Israel had fallen so far away from God's design, there were no people, there were no judges or priests or high priests willing to step up and take uh, command of what had happened here. So all the tribe leaders come together in Mizpah. So they decide to go and question the Levite to see what had happened. So they go to the home of the Levite in verse three, and they say, tell us, how did this wickedness happen? Now, here's something super weird, though, about all of this is if you received a body part in the mail, would that not be like an egregious crime, even if the, the person was already dead and somebody had like cut up the body and like sent a piece of the body to you in the mail? Would that not be something that you would be repulsed by? So my question is, why did they not arrest this Levite? 
because he totally degraded his concubine's body in that way. Every normal human being on the planet thinks that there's something weird about that, right? Like cutting up a dead body and sending it in the mail. Like whether or not this Levite was trying to prove a point or not about what had happened to his concubine, this just seems weird and wrong, no matter what the situation. And I'm sure there would have been a much better way for the Levite to handle all of this. Like truly, I think the Levite, he just seems like a psycho. Like he's just a a psychotic person. So they go to question the Levite and they're just like, how did this happen? You know, about this, this body part that we received in the mail. And so here's what the Levite says. Here's what he says. The Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered. So once again, putting weight behind all of this. This wasn't just a casual union between a man and a woman. This was more than that. This was a husband and wife situation. No matter how Israel looked at it at this point in time, it was not casual. So it mentions once again that this man was the husband of that woman. So if he was the husband of the woman, he should have been protecting her and not destroying her body after she had died. So the husband of the woman who was murdered, the Levite says, I came into Gibeah that belongs to Benjamin, I and my concubine to spend the night. The men of Gibeah rose up against me and surrounded the house by night. They intended to kill me and they raped my concubine and she is dead. So notice how they notice how this guy spins this. He spins it in such a way that he was fully 100% trying to protect himself and his concubine and they just raped her and abused her all night and uh, he's just so distraught over this. Okay? Because it doesn't say anything about him grabbing her and throwing her out the door and shutting the door behind her. It doesn't mention any of that because he knows he was in the wrong. This Levite absolutely knows that he didn't protect his wife, whether or not she was considered a concubine. He knows that he did something wrong and he doesn't mention that. He just kind of spins it so that he's the victim in this situation, not the poor concubine that this happened to. He's he's the victim. So he says, the, the men of Gibeah, Gibeah rose up against me and surrounded the house by night, which that's true. They intended to kill me and they raped my concubine and she is dead. So even that is an untruth because it doesn't necessarily say that the man, the men of the city intended to kill him, though that's possible, I suppose, because they wanted to sodomize him. But it is interesting that he doesn't mention that they wanted to sodomize him. Maybe that was a very embarrassing thing that he didn't want to mention. So they intended to kill me and they raped my concubine and now she is dead. I took my concubine and I cut her into pieces and sent her throughout all the country of the inheritance of Israel, for they have committed lewdness and folly in Israel. The one thing I mentioned on Friday was that it doesn't actually say specifically that the men of Gibeah, the ones that had raped her all night, were the ones that killed her. It's very possible they did. It is very possible that she died because of how badly she was beaten and abused all night. But it's also possible that because this Levite is a psychopath, he didn't give her the care that she needed in order to not die on the way home. And I even argued potentially that the Levite himself killed her. I don't know, though. I I don't want to paint too much into the story because scripture doesn't give us that direct detail. It does make us assume that the men of Gibeah did in fact kill her. 
So that's very possible that they did. But I'm just saying, it doesn't specifically say when the woman died. So the Levite says, I took my concubine and cut her into pieces and sent her throughout all the country of the inheritance of Israel, for they have committed lewdness and folly in Israel. Behold, you children of Israel, all of you, give here your advice and counsel. So I cut her up and sent, him, sent her to you because this great sin that happened to me and to my concubine just shouldn't go unpunished, which he's absolutely right in, in that matter, by the way. This shouldn't have go, gone unpunished, like any of this. And who knows? Like, it's very possible that these men of Gibeah had done this before because they seemed very brazen in their actions, right? When we talked about this on Friday, they were like pounding on the door of that old man's house, demanding that the Levite come out. So who knows how often that had happened before in Gibeah, and yet nobody was willing to make sure it didn't happen again. This is the first time Israel like rises up against what's going on here. So yeah, this absolutely should have been punished. And it should have been punished probably years before this entire situation happened. That's what happens when sin goes unpunished. When sin goes unpunished, people think they can do the exact same thing over and over and over again. And actually, actually, there's a verse about that. It's Let me find that verse. I know it's in Proverbs. It's Proverbs 11.21. Be assured that the wicked will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the right... No, 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 that's not the right one. That's not the right verse. Hang on a second. Hang on. Okay. I found it. And that's because it is not in the book of Proverbs. It's in the book of Ecclesiastes, actually. And I had to open up my own Bible <laughs> instead of typing it in to Google. It's Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11. When a crime is not punished quickly, people feel it is safe to do wrong. Okay, I mean, that's that's very clear that if a crime continues to go unpunished by somebody, of course, people are going to keep committing that crime. And that's what we see happening all over the world right now. When people are allowed to do crime, crime will continue and it will flourish. So when God mentions multiple times in the Old Testament laws to quickly punish sin, it's because of this, and it's because of this story here, that if a crime does not quickly get punished, then it will just flourish and it will continue to happen. So the, the men of Israel, it says they were knit together as one man when they heard the testimony of this Levite with what happened to his concubine. They were all united. Now, I don't know why they didn't arrest the Levite also. <laughs> I don't know, but they allowed the Levite to go. And maybe that's because, once again, they allowed crime to flourish. And uh, they didn't punish the Levite for what he had done. And they also didn't ask multiple multiple people either, which is another thing they should have done. That was clear in the Old Testament as well. There couldn't be just one witness. It had to be multiple witnesses. So they should have asked the Levite. They should have asked the servant of the Levite. They should have asked the old man. What had happened? The man that they stayed at their house. They should have even asked some people in the city of Gibeah where it happened. What had happened that night? They shouldn't have just taken the witness of the Levite. There should have been multiple witnesses talking about this. But either way, 
the Israelite nation decides that this is a crime that should no longer continue on, which is a good thing. So they were all knit together as one man. So the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribe of Benjamin saying, what wickedness is this that has happened among you? Now, therefore, deliver up the man or the men, the wicked fellows who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away the evil from Israel. So they are demanding from the tribe of Benjamin that the men of Gibeah be killed, be put to death for what they had done. And to me, I feel that that's a very just thing. They helped kill and injure this woman, this concubine, and possibly have done that many times in the past. They should have absolutely paid the price for that terrible crime that they committed. So the Israelites are demanding that Benjamin bring those evil men out. But Benjamin, the entire tribe, is like, no, we're not going to do that, actually. They instead decide to go into civil war. So the tribe of Benjamin completely rallies behind the city of Gibeah, and they recruit all of these fighting men. It says, the children of Israel gathered themselves together out of the cities of Gibeah or to Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. So they fully intended all of Benjamin to go into complete civil war. And I don't know how Benjamin truly thought that they were going to survive this because they were one tribe against 11 others. And I don't know why Benjamin thought this was the best thing to do, but it's very possible that the entire tribe of Benjamin was just that evil, that they were not willing to bring evil people into the light. And you might be like, Chen, that's pretty far-fetched, but is it? <laughs> is it really? Think about all of the corruption we see nowadays. Like, for example, uh, everything that happened with like Epstein, you know, that's, that's just the, the example I can think up off the top of my head. People don't want to bring everybody who was in that horrible ring of child molesters out into the open because they probably were a part of it as well. So honestly, it's not that far-fetched. We actually see this happen quite a lot. It's easier for people to fight against it than to bring it out into the open because if they bring it out into the open, that means that they have to admit that they have a problem within themselves. So they'd rather fight against it and do everything they can to hide it instead of bringing it out into the light, which is maybe what all of Benjamin here was doing. They, they possibly were much happier just fighting against the Israelites than admitting that they had a serious problem that needed to be addressed. So it says that the children of Benjamin were counted on that day out of the city's 26,000 men who drew the sword in addition to the inhabitants of Gibeah, who recounted 700 chosen men. So these men of Gibeah, maybe even these men that had raped that poor woman, were part of the fighting men of Benjamin. So thousands of men are gathering out of Benjamin to fight against the rest of Israel. And it says, among all these soldiers were 700 chosen men who were left-handed, and every one of them could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. So these men are notorious marksmen who are able to fight with their left hand in that way, which that would have been pretty rare back in these days. There weren't a lot of left-handed people. And I've talked about that on the podcast before where left-handed people were able to disguise that they were fighters because everybody expected 
fighters to draw their swords or their weapon with their right hand, and they would draw it with their left hand and catch everybody off guard. So it says the men of Israel, besides Benjamin, were counted 400,000 men who drew the sword, and all of these were men of war. So Benjamin has about 26,000 men that are going out to battle, and the rest of Israel has 400,000 men is what it ends with. So Benjamin is not doing well here in numbers against all of Israel. But once again, it was probably easier for Benjamin to hide what had happened and what they had done rather than admit that they have a problem. And so that's why Jesus always tells us to bring our sins out into the light, because when we hide them deep down inside, it's just bad for us. It's so bad for us. As we're going to find out what happens to Benjamin in the next coming days, I already hinted at it. But Benjamin doesn't do well in this battle. And it would have been better for them to just bring their sins out into the open and bring these men that had committed this crime forward. Well, faithful listeners, I hope you tune in on Wednesday. We'll talk more about this story and what happens to the tribe of Benjamin. And we're going to be moving out of the book of Judges very soon. We only have one more chapter in Judges. And then we'll be moving into the book of Ruth and then into season seven of the podcast next month. But friends and faithful listeners, I hope to see you all tomorrow for an episode out of Acts. And until then, happy listening and God bless. Ooh.